Uh, so those are, you know, there's some of you in the room, some of you watching online that, you know, you love Christmas, you love everything about Christmas, you love decorating, you, you, you love the whole nine yards, you, you love trying to make beautiful cookies, um, you, you do all of that, and then there's, and, and you love Christmas music, and then there's some of you that's kind of like, ah, you know, I don't, I don't want any Christmas music, and, uh, and, and, and the decorating thing, no thanks, and, and uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's more difficult for you. And, uh, and so, but here's the thing, um, in the midst of, of all of the chaos of Christmas, uh, in, in the midst of all the chaos of the month of December and, and trying to, uh, you know, get the perfect gift and trying to chase your kids around in, in all of their uh, kind of semester ending activities and, uh, and all the busyness and, and maybe you've experienced loss um, over the, the last year and so it's just kind of you're like, oh, I don't know, I'm kind of not, I don't know if I'm looking forward to this, and, and, and it can be hard, and, 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 you're, and so you're, you're just kind of dreading it. You're not sure um, you even want to go through it, and part of you just kind of wants to put your headphones on and just kind of tune out and, and, and not even think uh, about Christmas. But here's the thing, I don't want us to forget about the Christmas story, and, and if you're in the room or maybe watching online and and you're not a Bible person, you're like you're skeptical of the Bible. In fact, you grew up in a family that was kind of skeptical of it, and so you've always just kind of, you know, held at a distance, and and, uh, and and you're not really sure about it, and you're not sure about Jesus and and the whole nine yards. And and part of the reason that you're not, in fact, I, I would you probably have great reasons for for being skeptical. And if I grew up the way you did and, and saw the world the way you did, I would probably be very skeptical. As well, but I would imagine one of the things that you look for, and one of the reasons the whole Christmas story is kind of like, eh, you know, I don't know, um, is the whole virgin birth thing and and things that aren't natural in in our natural world that that you're like that doesn't you know that doesn't happen and that's impossible and that that doesn't make sense, and uh, and, and and so you're you just like I don't you know I don't know ab- about that. Um, one of the things that's remarkable about uh, Christmas and, and the makes the Christmas story so incredible is is the backstory to Christmas because Christmas actually doesn't start with a couple that you know is trying to figure out how they got pregnant it, it doesn't start with a couple that's trying to figure out where to have a baby Christmas doesn't start with angels Christmas didn't didn't start with you know wise men um, who who were coming. Um, it actually started way, way, way before that. And the Christmas backstory is actually remarkable. And if you're skeptical of the Bible, you need to really know the backstory of Christmas because the backstory of Christmas is filled with things that are completely natural, things that you can actually touch, that you can actually see, that you can actually buy a ticket and fly to. It's filled with all of these things, and, and to think that a group of guys maybe have gotten, you know, got together and, and, uh, and, and came up with this story and, and wrote it down and put it in a, in a, in a book called the Bible and, and sold a bunch of copies and, and made a bunch of money. Um, when, when you realize the, the reality of it, that doesn't even make any sense. It, it, it's, it's extraordinary, the backstory to Christmas. And, and, and this is what's interesting is the backstory to Christmas actually starts with a promise. It was an unbelievable, incoherent, impossible promise. 
It was a promise that was made to a guy 2,090 years before Jesus. And, and, and the promise in, in its cultural context made absolutely no sense. It, 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 was, it was impossible. It, 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 was, it, it was just, it was incoherent. It, it just didn't, it was, it was just kind of ridiculous. And yet, when we look back on it, it's just amazing. And there's so many natural things that we can actually look to looking back at it now that are actually just indisputable and really unbelievable. And, and, uh, and so we're going to look at this ancient document um, that's called Genesis. And if you're skeptical of the Bible, I don't want you to then think Bible, okay, because that's, that's a tripping point for you. Um, I want you to think an ancient, ancient, ancient document that the Jews you know, saw so valuable, they actually um, preserved it now over 3,000 years. They preserved this ancient, ancient, ancient document. They loved it so much, they actually put it into their own Jewish scriptures. And then years and years and years later, those Jewish scriptures now are not only the Jewish Bible, but they are now known as our Old Testament, and we have taken New Testament writings, and then years and years later, compiled it together with the Old Testament, the Jewish Bible, into this library we call the Bible. But you can just think of it as this ancient, ancient Jewish text called Genesis. In Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, The Lord had said to Abram, who we now become, later became known as Abraham, at this time, just Abram. He said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. To which, if Abraham had been a teenager, um, mama would have said, no, that's not going to happen. Not, no way. Because in, in, this, in this time, it was totally not safe for them. It was it was dangerous living no matter where you were. And one of the reasons it was dangerous living, and, and you may have never even thought about this, but I, I want to invite you to really think uh, about this. Because in, in this day and age, um, you know, it, it was not safe. It was everybody for themselves. There was no law. The law of God of, of, of you know, much of the law that we think of, of that's given us the framework that we would say this is right and this is wrong, has come down because we are on the other side of Christmas. Not only are we on the other side, we are on the other side of the law, and we are on the other side of Christmas so that we have not only the law, but we have Jesus' values. There was none of that. And so it was dangerous living. It was everybody for themselves. And so you didn't leave your native country. You didn't leave your relatives. That's how you stayed safe. You didn't leave your clan. You didn't leave your father's family. You didn't leave your clan. That's how, you know, you protected one another. So, you know, especially if you're a teenager, mama would have said, absolutely not. You, you're going to go to a What land exactly are you going to? Well, I don't know. He didn't tell me that part. Well, <laughs> maybe you should go back and find that out, you know. But here's the thing, 
Abraham wasn't a teenager. Abraham was 75 years old. So mama couldn't tell him to stay home because uh, I don't think mama was alive. But um, here's the thing, you know, you, you're not going to tell him to stay home, but it wasn't really safe for him to go. And, and really, even at 75, you're like, okay, God, um, I'm 75. I'm really actually kind of thinking about hanging up my cleats, you know? I'm thinking retirement sounds pretty good. I'm thinking, no, I, I, I don't really want to do any more. I've let the younger generation do it. I've done everything I need to do. I've, you know, I've served. I've done the thing, you know, younger generation can do. Those of you that feel like the younger generation, you know, just needs to do everything and you've done enough, um, my 84-year-old mom is in the treehouse right now telling a Bible story with flannel graph. She is. She pulled out flannel graph. I was so happy. When she said she was going to do that, I'm just like, oh, you go, Mom. You go. Flannel graph. It's so old, it's brand new. The kids are going to love it. I guarantee you. It's like, I've never seen that before. That's brand new. I mean, it's going to be, I wish, I, I wish there was a recording of it. But anyway, I digress. All right. So, I lost my track. But anyway. God makes, you know, he, he, he says, Abraham, hey, I know you're 75. I'm not done with you. I want you to go to a place where I'm going to show you. And then here's the promise. I will make you into a great nation. Okay. <laughs> a great nation? Um, God, time out. <clears throat> How about we just start with a son? Like I, you know, how about a kid? Um, God, I don't know if you know this, um, I, I, I'm sure you're aware, I'm 75, I don't even have any children, and you're going to make me into a great nation? How's that going to happen? That's impossible, and yet right now, you could actually get online, and please don't do it right now in the next half hour, but you could. You could get online on your phone and buy a ticket and fly to this nation that wasn't there before, but it is now. This is what I'm talking about as far as natural, natural hard evidence that you can look at. I will make you into a great nation. At that point, that seemed absolutely impossible, and yet it happened. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. Make me famous? No, you're not. I'm going to, to a place where nobody even knows who I am. No one even knows my name. I'm leaving everyone that knows me. I'm going to a place where nobody knows me. I'm going to probably die alone without anybody knowing me. What do you mean you're going to make me famous? That doesn't... That doesn't seem like it's, it's even possible, God. And so those of you online, no matter where you're at, if you're at the kitchen table, if you're in the living room, even if you're in the bathroom, you got to participate. All of you in-house, you got to participate. If this morning is not the first time you've ever heard of the man named Abraham, would you just raise your hand real high? Wow. 4,000 years later, 
That's indisputable. Four thousand? Are you kidding me? Four thousand years later, we all know who Abraham is, and pretty much everybody on the planet knows who Abraham is. That's amazing. That's natural. That's hard evidence. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. <laughs> okay. Um, nations don't, I don't, God, maybe you don't know how it works down here. Um, nations don't bless other nations. That's not how it works in our world. See, nations invade other nations. Nations conquer other nations. Nations plunder other nations, but, uh, but nations don't bless other nations. In fact, it's amazing because one of the things that disturbs us about reading the Old Testament is all of the violence in the bloodshed. See, one of the reasons that disturbs us is because we are now on the other side of Christmas. That wasn't disturbing to them. That was everyday life. That's just the way life was. Which is in part the reason why we needed Christmas to begin with. He goes on, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. <laughs> okay. That's just, that's, that just seems ridiculous. That's impossible. That's, okay, and you know what's amazing is Abraham believed God, and he moved to this new area that God led him to, and he ended up having a son. In fact, he ended up having several sons, and the one son that came into the lineage of Jesus was Isaac. In fact, what's amazing is we have the lineage of Jesus all the way back to, a to Adam, from Adam down to Abraham, and then Abraham had Isaac, and, uh, and Isaac had Jacob, and, and, uh, and here's something you need to know. If one of the reasons you're not really looking forward to Christmas is you're still trying to recover from Thanksgiving because your family is so dysfunctional that uh, you just can't hardly stand to get together with them, and, and you're kind of forced to, and you're forced to act like you like them, but you don't really. Um, here, there's good news for you, because naturally you would think Jesus came from a line of super really godly people who, you know, did everything right, and, uh, and they were righteous individuals, um, but you would be exactly wrong. So if you have a dysfunctional family, you are right at home with Jesus because Jesus' family tree was messed up. I mean, I tell you what, um, Jacob should have been, this should be Esau. The only reason Jacob's here is because he stole his brother's birthright, tricked his dad, and, uh, and ended up with the birthright. And, uh, and, and, and then he had 12 sons. Um, from multiple women, and, uh, and, and these 12 sons um, were so messed up, uh, there was actually one of them that they hated, and they hated them so bad, they were like, we're either going to kill him or we're going to sell him. 
But Joseph actually became a very godly individual. And so you would think, man, this godly individual, surely that's the, one, that's the line that Jesus is going to come from is the line of Joseph. But no, the line of Jesus comes from Judah. Judah's the one that was like, do we kill him? Do we sell him? You know what? Just killing him, we won't profit. So let's sell him, and we'll actually make a profit off of him. Judah was messed up. In fact, if you read about Judah and Tamar, there's some stuff. You should read your Bibles, but I'm just telling you, it's loaded with unbelievable stuff. You read the story. I can't even read in church some of what happened between Judah and Tamar. You should check it out yourself. It is so dysfunctional. It's like, woo. Anyway, their family tree was messed up. I mean, there was prostitutes. There was incest. There was every sort of dysfunction imaginable in their family tree. And so they end up gravitating down to Egypt because Joseph was down there and there was a famine in Canaan and, and they end up going down to Egypt and, and, uh, and, and in Egypt they become a nation over 400 years. And surely they, they heard the stories about Father Abraham and the promises that God had made to, to him and were passed down from generation to generation. They had to have thought, a great nation of slaves. This is, this is amazing. We might be a blessing to Egypt, but that's about it. Um, but we are not a great nation. This isn't working out. Those promises, I don't know what in the world he's talking about, but those are never, ever going to come true. And then Moses comes along and delivers the nation of Israel out of Egypt and brings them into the promised land. And uh, in, in, a, in a thousand years after the promise, a thousand years after God made this promise to Abram, Israel becomes a kingdom. And they have their first king. King Saul, and then they had their second king, King David, and David was an amazing king. And finally, at the, towards the end of David's reign, there was peace on all of their borders, and they had to have thought, maybe, maybe Jesus is right. Maybe, maybe God, maybe we could be a blessing to other nations. And then Solomon made them rich. They were the biggest, most powerful nation. They were the wealthiest nation on the planet. And they're thinking, maybe, maybe he's right. And yet God had promised to Solomon that if he, you know, if he strayed away from him, that, that he would end up tearing the, the kingdom away from him. And even though Solomon was incredibly wise, and in fact, if, if you're in elementary and you're in, in the room, or even if you're in junior high, high schoolers, yeah, this is a little weird, but anyway, you can... But at elementary, this works great. Now, this comes from my generation, okay? So you may have never heard this. Um, but uh, if someone kind of tells you what to do or they kind of, you know, get mouthy with you, you can just say to them, who made you the queen of Sheba? You just use that. Use that line. Um, did you know that the queen of Sheba actually came and sat and listened to Solomon? That's, that's from the Bible, like, man, I should read it. You should. You should read it. It's amazing. So she actually sat down and listened to, to, to Solomon because he was so wise. 
And, uh, and, and so, but his wisdom got the best of him. And in the end, he was thinking he was going to make peace by marrying all of these foreign king's daughters, and uh, they would never go to war with him because he had married their daughter. And, and uh, it seemed politically really great, except they didn't worship the one true God. They worshiped other gods, and they drug Solomon's heart away from the one true God. And God kept his promise to Solomon, and he ends up ripping the kingdom in half. And so the kingdom of Israel was divided. The upper kingdom kept the the name Israel. The lower kingdom uh, uh, took on the name Judah from the line of Judah. You can start putting the the dots together. And, And over time, you know what? The Assyrians came in, and they actually invaded Israel, the upper kingdom, conquered it, hauled off their best and brightest. And uh, in Judah, they just kind of kept going back and forth. Sometimes they'd follow God, sometimes they wouldn't. Sometimes they would, sometimes they wouldn't. Sometimes it'd go good, sometimes it wouldn't. And finally, you know, they're in the middle of, their backs are kind of against the wall, and, uh, and God keeps sending them prophets to kind of tell them, hey, on behalf of God, this is what he's saying, and they wouldn't listen, they wouldn't listen. And in Maybe they wouldn't listen because it just didn't, sometimes it didn't make sense, like this one. When Isaiah says in Isaiah 49, verse 6, he says, speaking of God, I will make you a light to the Gentiles. Okay. Um, Isaiah, we don't even like the Gentiles. Like, we're not even supposed to associate with them. I don't know if you've read the Old Testament. I don't know if you've read the Torah. I don't know. I don't know if you've read... In the law, but we aren't supposed a light to the Gentiles. Our light, we're not even a light to ourselves. To the Gentiles? I don't think so. And you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. My salvation to the ends of the earth? We just need it for us. What in the world are you talking about? That doesn't even make any sense. Don't listen to anything Isaiah is saying. And then sure enough, Assyria, they, you know, invade, Babylon invades, King Nebuchadnezzar overtakes Judah, overtakes Jerusalem, carts all the best and the brightest off to Babylon for 70 years, completely destroys the temple, and at this point, they're like, I don't know whatever promise God made Abraham, but it ain't happening. And 70 years later, they kind of start coming back, and Nehemiah rebuilds the wall, and they kind of rebuild the temple, even though it wasn't anywhere close to the way, uh, the glory that it was when Solomon built it. And they kind of function for a while, and, but things are tough. The economy's no good. I mean, they're, they're just struggling as a nation. And, and then God sends another prophet to him, Malachi, in Malachi chapter 1, verse 11. He says, but my name will be honored by the people of other nations, from morning till night, all around the world, they will offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name, for my name is great among the nations. <laughs> okay, God, I, you know, <clears throat> man, I don't, I don't, I, you're God and everything, but um, we're a joke among the nations. Like, they, they don't think you're very great, and they don't think we're very great, and we're just kind of struggling here. 
And you're telling me that all around the world, people are going to be, you know, bringing a living sacrifice, that people are going to be, be bringing an, an offering to you? Are you kidding me? And December 4th, 2022, here we are on the other side of the world bringing a sacrifice of praise to our God. That's hard evidence. In a time when they would have looked at the promise that God gave Abraham and said, what a joke. That's never ever going to happen. You want to talk about great. I mean, I mean there was there was, you know, the Assyrians and then there was the Babylonians and then there was the Persians and now the Greeks and Alexander the Great who you probably studied in history class. Alexander the Great, I mean, he's great and and uh, and then the guy after him, I mean, Rome, the Roman Empire coming and Pompey the Great and in 63 B.C., he's conquering town after town after town after town, and he makes his way to Jerusalem, and he conquers Jerusalem, and he rides his horse, so unbelievably offensive, rides his horse right up those southern steps onto the Temple Mount, right on into the temple, gets off his horse, walks right into the God Vault, the Holy of Holies, and, and in, he's kind of in anticipation that there's going to be some kind of an idol in there, because all the nations have a God Vault that have their idols that they pull out and people worship and he walks into the Holy of Holies and there isn't any idols. And he's like, what a joke. What a, what a, what a childish religion. You have no idols because they had no idols. They had the one true invisible God. You see, at that moment in history, to look back and look at the promise that God made Abraham, things couldn't have been any worse. It was impossible. It was incoherent. It wasn't going to happen. That's why when Luke records in chapter 1, verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named, everybody knows her name. In fact, pretty much everybody on the planet knows her name. Named Mary, she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The line, the Messiah, would come from. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never ever, ever, ever end. And through him, all the families on earth will be blessed. All the families on earth will be blessed 
Because through him now there is forgiveness of sin. It is available for every single person on the planet. No matter what your background is. No matter what your race is. No matter how much money you have in the bank. It is available for every single person. And not only is there forgiveness of sin. But there is eternal life that he wants to give to you. And a relationship that he offers to you. That can never ever be taken away. And never ever end. And not only as if, if that's not, if it, as if that's not enough. He offers you to participate in his kingdom, not a kingdom that's made of brick and mortar, but a kingdom of conscience, a kingdom of the heart, a kingdom that, that isn't like any other kingdom on earth. It isn't the, the, the biggest and the baddest get to Get the, you know, might makes right. Not that kind of kingdom. This is an other's first kingdom. This is a kingdom that's characterized by you before me. This is a kingdom that's characterized by patience, by faithfulness, by trustworthiness, by forgiveness, by grace, by mercy. A a kingdom where there is no jealousy. A kingdom where there is no anger. You're kind of like, sign me up for that kingdom. Because that's an amazing king. Can you imagine if the kingdom of God reigned on earth and everyone said yes and participated in it, what kind of a society and what kind of a world we would live in? You see, when you know the backstory to Christmas, (laughs) it's remarkable. It's amazing. It's awesome. Who needed Christmas? We did. You did. All of you watching online do. I do. The world did. But you know what? God needed Christmas too. To which you might push back and say, no, 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 he didn't, he didn't need anything. But God needed Christmas too. And you're like, how did he need Christmas? Well, we're going to answer that. You'll have to come back next week and find out. Gotcha. So, hope that you will do that. Hope that you will bring a friend with you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for the story of Christmas. Thank you for the backstory of Christmas. It's remarkable. It's amazing. And I thank you for it. I thank you for the, the peace that comes in your kingdom. I thank you for the salvation that comes in your kingdom. I, I thank you for a kingdom that's not characterized by, by power and, and, and all of the things that, that make this world just really kind of awful sometimes. But God, an other's first kingdom. So, so God, I pray as we go through this Christmas season, may we, may we embrace that kingdom. And as we do, We will make this an amazing, amazing Christmas. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.